I am your father. This is a Brandon Colby Jacobs from Facebook exclusive. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. Touche, my nigga. Touche. Yo, what it do, what it is, man. It's your boy, Brandon Kobe Jacobs, and you are listening to the Established 1984 podcast. And on my show today, man, I have a, I have a friend, a person that I probably was, was rolling in the streets with. You know, my right hand man, uh, the old school niggas say my ace boom coon, you know, all that kind of shit like that. I mean, we literally have, you know, everything that is New Blood Jacksonville. We did it all together. And uh, he has uh, been doing some amazing work from an engineering perspective. He has his his own uh, his own brand, his own product, uh, Stoner's Lane that he's doing. And I'm sure he'll talk a little bit about. I, I have David down at AKA D White Boy on the line. White Boy, how you doing, man? White boy, aka White Stacks. What's going on? <laughs> so the name has evolved, huh? <laughs> yeah, I had, to, I had to drop the boy and grow the fuck up. You know <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, man. I mean, uh, golly, uh, I know we talk occasionally, but uh, we probably haven't like like been in the same space like on some on some hip hop shit in what like seven years, something like that. It's creeping up to about that, yeah. It's been, <laughs> yeah, it's, well, I think it's more of an eight-year thing because right before I went through my little situation was pretty much when you were transitioning out of Jacksonville, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, I, guess, I guess probably whatever, everybody's probably going to want to, people who come in for a podcast like this, they want to know a little bit about the about the starts of, of where we get started because, as you told me offline, you don't want to do the, this is how I came up, and in the beginning, there was light and all that kind of shit. So, we're not going to go there. We're going to leave that alone. Let's start around 2000, fall of 2005 is when I come back from uh, from Tallahassee, Florida, and then Tallahassee Community College. I come back from there, and uh, I form a relationship with, uh, with an artist. Maybe you heard of him. His name's Shout Out. Um, he was a uh, he was signed to a uh, Bungie Entertainment at the time, and I'm not exactly sure how we met. Can you uh, can you connect the dots on that end? Um, yeah, the, the Bungie Entertainment office is actually right around the corner and connected to the same structure that the strip club I was a manager of uh, sat. So my strip, the strip club I was running was on University Boulevard North in Jacksonville. It was called Amnesia. Okay. At that time. Yep. And Le- legendary. Right around, yeah, the legendary amnesia, and right around the corner was uh, was the bungee office. Mm-hmm. And I used to, I would, I would go on the side of the building to smoke, and I noticed what what uh, sparked my interest in what was going on over there was, um, I saw the van, the bungee van. After that, had it wrapped. Right. And I was like, oh. I, now, mind you, through my connections in the city, because of the strip club and just the, the people I knew and the circles I ran with, I knew about Bungie Entertainment, but I didn't know about Bungie Entertainment. So um, by this time, I had already been engineering in a hood studio in an apartment for probably three, four years, right. doing mixtape stuff for cats that can't afford real studio time. 
Right. So I was like, well, I'm going to go see, see what they got going on and see if they need to intern for the engineering shift so I can get my skills up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I approached, shot out one day, he was out smoking his blood, having Tampa Jewel, sweet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I approached him and he introduced me to Gennato and Gennato had it in his mind that he utilized me as a duck and basically make me the slave of the company. But shout out actually saw after we started the Scott the Violence movement, things of that nature, he finally saw what my abilities were with dealing with media and and just being able to deal with all aspects of entertainment, whether it be booking a show, running a show, doing sound, DJing, being right. running the camera, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Right. And boom, shout out, that's how we we kind of clicked up at the Bungie office. One day, we, we first met at the Bungie office before an Updark record pool, and then... Um, we officially actually fucked with each other at the Martin Luther King Day parade at the Bungie Entertainment Van and when we all had the jacket and Ed came in from uh, Mississippi, I think it was. Okay. okay. And, uh, and and then from there, uh, we both liked drinking and liked going to the club <laughs> and figured out how to monetize that. You got damn uh, right. <laughs> And then from then on, we aggravated the shit out of everybody and made a lot of money. Okay, <laughs> and, and we'll we'll obviously go into more detail about that. But um, what I what I kind of want to talk to you about is, uh, is you know, this is kind of going to be a, I guess, kind of like a reveal of a lot of things about me as much as it is about you because you know so much about me. What type of nigga was I back then, man? I mean, um, you know, I I think I hadn't quite gotten. New Blood Entertainment up and running in Jacksonville just yet. So, from your perspective, what kind of guy was I? Um, first impression, you definitely had that college student vibe. <laughs> um, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell if you when I first met you. I couldn't tell if you were a hood cat, uh, a fucking IT man, or a devoted member of Church of Christ. Um, because I, I <laughs> well, I just put all my business out there. You you making me lose all my gangster. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's just because you know part of being in the independent music scene in any city is you see a lot more of a person's personal life than you do that fake superstar shit that everybody sees on Friday through Sunday. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. Absolutely. So, so the couple times that we did interact, it was either at uh, up the street from UNF or at the Bungie office mm-hmm. or you know in, in a club parking lot and it wasn't it was quick interaction so you know and I think I, I think around that time I might have been out to the to the compound like twice um, <laughs> the compound so. and by by compound you're referring to my parents house <laughs> yeah yeah so you know, the, so my pops came a long way from Blodgett. <laughs> shout out to Willie Jacobs, you know, somebody. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so, you know, I'd only, I'd seen those few bits and pieces, so you were a hard read, but, I mean, you was, you definitely weren't as outspoken as you are now. Right. Quiet as fuck. Right. Until we started, you know, hit the streets. Okay, so, so we, we, we end up doing a lot, a lot of business early on with Shout Out. Um, can you talk a little bit about what it was like working with Shout Out in those early years? I mean, I'm not talking about where things go, and we'll get to that. But just in those early, in that first year to year and a half, um, as we are beginning to kind of build our relationship and, and start to say, okay, maybe we need to do this New Blood Entertainment thing. Um, what was it like working with Shout Out? Um, it was 
it was dope to me because I came from a, you know, I, in, in so many ways, I grew, I grew up in the club scene, right. but wasn't really out there like that. I was born behind the scenes, so I'd all, you know, I, my dream has always been being in entertainment, and uh, so that was my first taste of hitting the studio all the time, and, and you know, got to do this session, got to go do this interview. That, that was my first taste of what I thought was um, real deal music life, entertainment right. life, you know what I'm saying? Like, we was constantly go, 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 whether it was going to meet with city leaders or going to private meetings with the, the pastors of Jacksonville or or going to do this interview or going to do this mixtape with King Ron or mm-hmm. got to go do this session with Relic, got to go do this photo shoot. So I was excited. Like, I, you know, whatever, where are we going? Okay, let's go. Right. Because I, I, that's what I love. That's part of what I love about the entertainment industry is the fast life. Right. You know, I like I like being on the move and constantly doing something. So it was dope. Um, it was stressful because of Gennaro. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Again, you know, Gennaro was trying to, you know, utilize me as a duck and shout out knew that I was an asset in some way. He didn't know that first year he was trying to fill me out and figure out where to place me right. as far as what my main task would be. But he knew that um, I was more capable than what Gennaro was giving me credit for. So it was it was dope learning. I, mean, I learned a lot from shout out. Now, 80, 80% of what I know now and Eighty percent of my ability to carry myself and maneuver through this city and through this region in the entertainment industry because of the things I picked up from Shout Out. So right. you know, it was definitely it was definitely dope the first two years because we were our busiest then because we had multiple projects, multiple shows, and just things were moving. Um, then then everything slowed down after Gelato disappeared for five years. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, Gennaro obviously got arrested, but even in the in the midst of, of everything that happened with him, um, you you have a situation where you got some uh, some young guys who are aspiring to do some other things. I had had relationships um, out of Tallahassee. I was a college rep for Universal even when I came into the city. Um, and, you know, just through conversations, and obviously I think somebody who we both value as a you know, the person who probably is singularly responsible for the existence of New Blood Entertainment in Jacksonville. I'm talking about Latoya Goodman, um, then Miss Innocence. Um, can you, well, I guess, can you talk about a little bit about her and how her influence and, and me connecting you to her, because I met her first, um, me connecting you to her helps foster what ends up becoming New Blood Entertainment in Jacksonville and, and how do we get to our, our first kind of set up and structure from your perspective? Um, oof. I don't remember our first, me and Toya's first encounter, but I do remember um, as as everything transitioned into the new blood situation, um, realistically, like you said, she kind of was first, first, first and foremost responsible for the form of the new blood because she made us operate as a unit. Right. Um, she was always the one to call the meetings to her house, and you know, just even if even if we didn't have shit going on, we got we need to meet up and figure out how to have some shit going on. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or, or we or we or, or we need to go get some breakfast and just hang out. Or right. uh, so and so 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 and so is doing this at the Rockies, so let's go. 
Right. Uh, just just my house at this time. to that point, I think that I think that what was what was paramount and this is something that I think is important to the listeners. We were successful because we stayed around each other. So often I think a lot of uh, a lot of uh, fledgling businesses and some of these up and coming promoters, they fail because they don't they because it's like anything with creativity when you're trying to do marketing and things like that it's all a byproduct of some level of creativity and if you aren't around other people just throwing ideas at the wall talking to each other creating funny moments that might create in a program or an idea or a concept or a flyer or anything like that if you're not interacting i mean man you it's like you're walking backwards i mean fair to say yeah, yeah. Because well, I mean, in any, in, in an, just from an artistic standpoint, not even on a business level, uh, inspiration spawns out of the smallest things. And if you're a recluse and you're never around the people that you uh, hope to do business with or vibe with on an artistic level, you're you're just you're going to be null and void. Mm-hmm. You're not going to there's not going to be any creativity at all. So, um, what I think what made us work and what made us. Uh, so strong when we were at our strongest was the fact that we we were click tight like it was a family it was more of a family vibe I mean you know there, it, it, at any given time you could walk in the toilet house and, and, and me you and Kendall would be knocked out in, in, <laughs> in recliners and across the couch and you know what I'm saying like right. okay because cause we know we gotta get up and go do this event first thing in the morning so we might as well just leave the club and go to the toilet house mm-hmm. or leave the club and go go here, you know what I'm saying? Right. And we both we both bred together and, you know, many a times we either spent a holiday at um with round shout outs people or around your people and we all ended up waking up at some point during that day to go on about our younger activities. Right. Uh, right. Right. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, like we, we we operated as a unit. I mean, uh I know I'm fast forwarding a little bit, but even when we were kind of in the management role of Mac Baker, mm. um I remember when we did Mac Baker's birthday party and the whole new blood showed up and somebody tried to start a fight and we got Mac Baker and, and the Duval All-Stars, as they were called back in that day, we got them out of the building right. until the bullshit stopped. And I know, her, I know, I think I remember his mom was so impressed because we just all, you know, it's like, we're promoters and we're this and we're that, but when shit pops off, uh, lock it down. You know what I'm saying? Right. We're a unit. So, um, and that's, that's why we were. That's why we were so successful. And she was like the glue because even when me and you were at fuck you standpoint, she would be like, "No, nah, y'all need to, you know, <laughs> fuck all that. We, gotta, we, we, gotta, we still got money. We need to we get. Gotta, <laughs> we gotta have a. We gotta have a meeting about this. And then we get to her house and there's a bottle there and she's cooking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're eating. That's what we're doing. <laughs> you know. Absolutely. So we'll we'll definitely come back and we'll talk about Meg Baker. We'll talk about Ron Mack. We'll talk about Vok. We'll talk about Keys. We'll we'll get to all of those people in a second. But what I want to talk about um, is in our very in our infancy, we finally established New Blood Entertainment Jacksonville. I think in the very beginning, it's literally even before Kendall. It's me, you and Toya pretty much doing the thing ourselves. And this is 2006-ish, late 2005, early 2006. We start the process of, uh, of developing New Blood Entertainment in Jacksonville. And the first place that we, uh, that we kind of cling to, because we weren't, I don't think we were exactly sure 
what we wanted to be. We didn't know whether or not we wanted to be a promotion company, a flyer distribution company, a management company, a marketing company, but we knew we were some fly dope niggas that, that needed to be around each other because we knew we had creative ideas. We knew that we could, we were influencers. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they talk about that now on, on Instagram and, and Snapchat and all that. Are you an influencer? Can you, can you generate revenue about, by being an influencer? I think we were influencers um, even back then in 2007 before we had established what we were. So we start out kind of clinging to the people that we know best. We, we, we cling on to Ivory and we cling on to Point Blank Entertainment. Can you talk a little bit about what that relationship was like uh, the experience of the Roxy and, and all of those kind of things. And heck, even if you want to talk about what you viewed my relationship with Point Blank to be and how that impacted New Blood Entertainment. Um, it was it was interesting and it was probably in my, I think it's, I'm creeping up on 16 years now. Um, in my 16 years of being in entertainment period, the Roxy time frame was probably the dopest time of my life um, out of all the amazing things that I have been blessed to do. Um, some of it's a bit of a blur because of the alcohol and drugs we did have. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, you know, you got to stay up, you know, I, I stepped in, like, shit just kind of happened weird and I felt it, it was like, by the time New Blood had formed and we started going to the Roxy and fucking with Ivory and them, that's when reality set in, like, I'm really doing this, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. we're really doing this. Um, but um, it was a dope experience. I mean, you know, just to be able to see, there's not, there's, there's like a handful of maybe 10 people that really can say that they saw the birth of Point Blank to what is now Point Blank Crown Capital and the successes that they have had. Like, we were there some bullshit. We were there, you know, when they were trying to, trying to, trying to railroad the Roxy and people were, the community was trying to get it shut down because it was just so stupid. Mm -hmm. uh, my first, in, my first introduction to the Roxy was, um, you called me and Cash, China White, and somebody else were at the Roxy and I, I can't remember who was performing, but she was like, you want to go? And I, I think I was fucked up at the time, so I was like, no, nah, I ain't got no money for that club shit. Don't worry about it. It's universal. And we went in there, and it was just love. Right. And I don't even think Ivory was running. I think that, I think that was when D-Watch was managing it, mm -hmm. and Ivory wasn't even involved yet. Mm -hmm. And then some three weeks later, now we're in the Roxy League. Right. And, you know. It, it was dope to see D-Money grow. It was dope to see 151 grow, Joe Crunk, you know what I'm saying? Um, and just to, it, that was my, like I said, that was my first introduction into the major club life because I was a strip club, Shawty, right. um, prior to that. So just, it was, it the, was the, the style, the strip club style, I, I don't know if it's, I think now it's probably pretty much the same. What what you experience in the strip club is kind of what you experience in the regular club now, which is probably the reason why a lot of clubs suffer now because the music is pretty much exactly the same across the board. But but back in the day, back in the day, if you will, doing the quotes for Facebook Live, um, I, I think that there was a distinct difference in how a strip club DJ DJed relative to how the DJs in the clubs DJ. You, you've you been around both. Can you kind of talk a little bit about 
the differences and why it perhaps was important for there to kind of be a slight difference between how you did things in the strip club relative to how cats are doing things uh, doing things now in in the regular clubs. Um. Well, from what I've gathered from the strip club culture and the way people do business down here in the strip clubs, um, as, as opposed to the nightclub, is you know when the nightclub a nightclub DJ DJs, he's DJing for a check. He's either DJing for a, agreed, a previously agreed upon sum or um, an agreed upon percentage of the door. Right. So really, his own, his only job is to come in there and tear that motherfucker down and get paid and go home. Whereas a lot of strip club DJs that aren't really respected DJs, but they they hope to one day be that, they are working for tips just like the hoes. Mm-hmm. So they they've got to keep the hoes happy. At the same time, keep the customers happy so they'll spend money so the hoes can tip them out strong. Right. Um, now, right around the same time I got on with Bungie and and, and all of that, there was about the time where the strip club and the the barrier between strip club and nightclub started to dissolve because we amnesia was like like the Fox for the South Side mm-hmm. on a Friday night. On a Friday night, you would see just as many females off the street just coming to chill as you did dudes just coming to get a lap dance. So it turned right. into a nightclub where you just happen to have naked hoes on on the pole. You know what I'm saying? Right. So the DJs the DJs started to have to play some of the same records that the nightclub would hear, but um, the strip club is always, at least back then, was always influential in breaking new music because that was where the Boosies and the Jeezies, and that's where they got famous. That's where Plies and them got all with the strip club. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Um, But now, like you said, it's totally different. Now everybody, there's no line between nightclub and strip club. The only difference is... um, in the nightclub, the hoes are naked and not get paid for it. You know what I'm so. Yeah, exactly. They, they're naked and not getting paid for it. So we we end up doing a lot of stuff with with Ivory. Can you talk a little bit because we kind of we kind of you know we 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 kind of you know stepped around it briefly. But can you talk a little bit about what it was like working uh, working with and around Ivory uh, in those early years? Anything that you learned from him and just some of the mischievous behavior that we maybe exhibited that. It probably led to the reason why, uh, you know, they looked at New Blood Entertainment as the, the troublesome organization. Well, um, I, I always, I always will and always have had a high respect for Ivory because um, I am, I'm like any other person when you're talking about customer service. I am, I am that person that patronizes people and not businesses. Mm-hmm. And Ivory's always been a solid dude, and what I mean by that is when I um, when I took my hiatus and I decide I would decide to come out, if I showed up to one of Ivory's events, it was no question. It was always love. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, no, nah, well, you ain't been on the scene in four years. Uh, it's gonna be thirty dollars. Right. Uh, no, but don't don't fuck the white boy. Let him in. Whatever he needs. It was all you know. And even back then, it was all love. Ivory used to have a rule. If um, if you're one of the VIPs or you're a promoter of the event, you've got to be there by 11.30 or you're going to be stuck in line. Mm-hmm. And uh, us being the assholes that we were would show up at 12.30 drunk. And <laughs> With 13 people standing outside the door. <laughs> I, 
I guarantee you, Ivory Horn has probably said, all right, dog, like 900,000 times in his lifetime because every, I swear every time, it didn't matter what club we were at, 1230, we all 13 deep with new blood shirts on. And, all right, dog, come on, you know. But <laughs> even then, you know, he set rules and we always tested the boundaries, but that's because we never, I think I've been to two point blank entertainment meetings. So if, if you if anybody knows anything about Point Blank and how the club scene was back then, you technically were not employed by Point Blank Entertainment if you didn't show up to the meeting. Right, right. I think it's still so pretty much that way. So technically, the rules didn't mean shit to me because I technically wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, we carried ourselves like that. But then, uh, that same token, we may not have went to the meetings and we may not have followed the rules to the T, but we, we respected the organization like we were employed by them. Right. You know what I'm saying? I think we're, we're, we're basically like the... I think for a lot of people, um, they view New Blood Entertainment as a part of the Point Blank Entertainment tree. Um, as, a, as a much younger man, and you know, you know firsthand that that bothered me um, when I was younger. Now it doesn't really... It doesn't bother me so much. I, I find that to be something to be proud of because everything that's kind of come out of the Point Blank Entertainment tree has pretty much been successful on, in some capacity or another. Um, and I mean, those were the guys that we ran with. Those are the guys. And I, I had this conversation when I was interviewing Ricky yesterday. Um, you know, like, those are the guys that I modeled myself after. Like, like, like I wanted to be Ivory Orr when I was 14 years old and I'm at first coast high school and, you know, I'm picking up the payphone to call my sister so that she can pretend to be my mom to get me out of school. And you know, whose poster is sitting on the payphone? It, it's chosen few. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I want to be yeah. I want to be Darius Young because he, he goes to first coast like I want to be that guy I want to be Tostick you know what I'm saying like I don't know how I want to be them in, or in what capacity but you know I, I just knew that hey you know these are the guys that I that I really want to model myself after and and I want to be successful in the way that they're successful so you know now at you know whatever age I am now because <laughs> sometimes even I forget. Um, <laughs> You know, I, um, I I I'm comfortable with the fact that I'm proud to say that you know I, I come from that tree. I'm I'm the little brother or the cousin or or whatever you want to say about um about me with their organization. But we definitely came through them, and there there were some crazy nights. I mean, we 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 ransacked their, their club on many a night. I think it's fair to say. <laughs> you know, um, I think. Now, mind you, the, the, the real solid point blank alumni like Roger Ivory, um, Lucky, Jay Floyd, mm-hmm. those cats, the, the, the respect and love has always been there, but I know I probably could have been a little more well-respected had we not done what we did. Mm-hmm. But at, at the same time, I think that helped us in the, in the uh, in, in surprisingly in the business aspect of what we were doing in the city because a lot of people knew uh, we were a wild bunch, and a lot of people knew, and I'm not going to name any particular promoters that was trying to come funny with the money, but they, they realized real quick that, that, ain't, that that's not play. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. So it, help, it helped. But, but, you know, now that I'm an older person, and I'm older, and I've had time to think about it and really absorb and process um, that portion of my life, you know, I, there, there are, I wouldn't say regrets, but I would have did things differently, especially to 
point blank events. You know what I'm saying? I would have handled things differently because it's always been nothing but love. And, and in some instances, it might have looked like we were giving them our ass to kiss. You know what I'm saying? Right. Just because we were throwing caution to the wind and really like, yeah, fuck all that. We shouldn't stand on these tables. You know right. what I'm saying? Well, I think, I think um, for us, what we wanted was... We wanted we wanted to be respected as our own entity. I, I know that that's what was really important to me. Um, I think yeah. that I think as a byproduct, it was important to to those in my circle. Um, you know, you know, you, you your Mikeas, uh, you know, Toya, um, just about everybody that would come along later. They valued New Blood as a brand so much because they knew how much it mattered to me. Jasmine Presley, um, you know. All of those people recognize the fact that it mattered to me so much that our imprint was was recognized and respected that they pushed along with that. So we we definitely pushed the boundaries in, in that regard. I mean, would I go back and change it? If I did, I mean, we probably wouldn't have some of the other things that I'm sure we're going to talk about. So I mean, like, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, and that's what I mean. Like, there there are there no, there are not regrets, but I would there certain nights we pro- I probably I know I wouldn't have gone as hard and I probably would have kept the team as calm as I can but you know that that comes with atmosphere and the only only reason that point blank like brushed it off and never really made it a big deal was because at the end of the day there wasn't anybody in the city that could outgrind any of the top point blank cats and anybody in new blood so mm-hmm. there was that always that respect like yeah okay they work hard, so this is their play. Right. Just, you know, let's just hope if they get, they, you know, the great thing was, and this is why I always respect Ivory, no matter how wild we might have gotten as a bunch or how stupid we might have acted as a result of drinking, Ivory wouldn't do some shit that some of these cats in the city would do. He wouldn't call you out on the mic or send the security to, to, to rush you up. He would walk up to you before he got on stage and be like, Come, calm down, y'all, or just chill. You know what I'm saying? Right. And we knew to turn it off and chill out, you know, so... For a few minutes. It's all, it's always, <laughs> yeah, chill out for a few minutes, you know, um, and, and, you know, and then when he cranks shit up and motherfuckers start fighting and doing stupid, more stupid shit than us, hey, y'all do what y'all do, you know, but it was all, it's always been love. And that's one thing I appreciate because... Um, up until I had to take my hiatus, um, that was my life. Like, I had my real nine to five, but anybody that knows me knows that I lost a couple nine to fives as a result of grinding so hard for this city and for the people of this city. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, um, the fact that that isn't forgotten, that's, that's dope. And I'll always, you know, I really still fuck with me at the studio to this day, so it's all that. Right. So, I mean, uh, we we finally established New Blood Entertainment. It becomes successful, and we, you know, much like what happened in Tallahassee, we don't really have a sense of who it is that we want to be. So we end up being a variety of things. Most notably, I think, was probably as a a third party promotion company for other companies, um, for other comp, you know, other promotion companies. Whether that was whether that was Point Blank, whether that was Strong Family, uh, whether that was the Plush Entertainment Complex directly, Club Paris, Ocean Club, um, just just a variety of uh, variety of employers would come to us. Can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like? Um, you know, some of the people that that you remember that we worked with, and um, you know, just some kind of notable moments in the process of growing into this this massive uh, street team company. 
Um, that was dope, and it was it, it was a blur too because it was almost like 2005 to 2008 happened in one week. You know what I'm saying? When yeah. I was, even when it, even when it was happening, and even now looking back on it, it was the shit was a blur because we were moving so fast. But um, what was dope is it was understood in the city after a certain amount of time that you had to come through New Blood for two reasons. You had to come through New Blood to ensure that you had a strong crowd and you you had to come through New Blood to lower your liability. And what I mean by that is we were the ones that would jump the fence in low old apartments and, 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 and plaster that shit until security figured it out. And... You know what I'm saying? Or we go to we go to Regency and have Kendall on one end of the mall and Toya on the other and you on the other and just put out flyers until security stops us and just doing that gorilla type of marketing to where that one way or another with our with our grind with our employees and business partners and with 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 that promoters personal people he was using it was guaranteed to be a smash. Um, did I expect? Uh, certain people to eventually fuck with us? No. Was I happy that they did? Yes. Who are you uh, talking about? Uh, I, I honestly didn't expect us to be doing anything for Strong Family or the running. Right. Um, just because of the way that they operate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, if it ain't blood or, 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 or if, 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 if we didn't come up from the dirt, we ain't fucking with you. So the fact that we ended up getting on or they ended up reaching out, however it went down. That was pretty dope. Um, did we benefit much from it financially? Yes. Uh, in some ways, no, I would say, um, because anybody that has ever gone to a Billy event knows it's fucking hell trying to get in the front door, no matter who you are. Right. Um, so that that was stressful. Um, the best... Uh, I mean, the single greatest contract was the Club Paris contract because they were so dumb, uh, you know. Shout we, out. We barely, <laughs> shout, shout, shout out to Club Paris for having money to blow because uh, we definitely blew that shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was uh, you know. just to just to let the listeners know and kind of give them some insight on Club Paris because some of the listeners may be too young to remember. Um, in the Jacksonville landing, I think what what's there now? Isn't it like a country like a Mavericks? Mavericks is there Mavericks. now. Um, in two thousand and seven, two thousand six, I forget what year because again the drugs and alcohol. Um, Around that time, uh, Club Paris, or Paris Hilton had started, uh, she basically attached her name uh, to multiple clubs all over the world, and, uh, you know, it's basically like kind of like this franchising uh, of her name to, to create these clubs called Club Paris. There was, I believe there was one in Mexico, there was one in Europe, there was, and for whatever reason, they decided to put one in Jacksonville. Um, so they put this one in Jacksonville, where Mavericks is now in the landing, in the Jacksonville landing, and... Um, I don't remember exactly how we ended up making the connection with them, but they came to us to reach Chris out. Dalio. To, oh, it was Chris Dalio. Chris, the, shout out to Chris Dalio, who is cheap and doesn't like to pay, but you know, we uh, we definitely got that connection through him. So we get that connection through him. We, I think, we did a couple of nights for him, and then the um, the owner uh, or the manager rather uh, recognized the, the kind of work that we put in, and he came to me and. Uh, I don't know. I guess he hadn't been in the music industry before, or in the entertainment industry, and had no real sense of what you know 
what you should be paying for yeah, the service. I, I, think he, I think he was a food service uh, connoisseur. I okay. don't think he knew shit about the nightlife. Yeah, so he, um, he came to us and, and basically said how much would it cost, and I threw out a number. <laughs> and the, now, mind you, before he continues, that number was basically a retainer. That number said that if you pay us this, we'll promote whatever you give us throughout the month. Right. Just, you know, it don't matter however many flies it is, you know, we'll promote everything. So, and... I think it, I think it started off to be somewhere, somewhere around 35 a month mm-hmm. and ended up being a five a month. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's about right, roughly. So, um, and then if they, if they added it, if they needed anything express done, you know, they added a couple grand on top of that. So what ends up happening is that... 35 a month turned into five, which eventually turned into probably about five a week. <laughs> and what was so great about it was because they had no knowledge of the nightlife and they did not realize in order to pay the rent that Tony Slayman put on them and all the other costs of operating a club that large, they didn't know that they needed to keep events going on in that club. So, we might put out a half a box of flyers a month, and we running it up on there. So, <laughs> and which I'm yeah. not proud. I'm not proud of because we we pride ourselves on the work that we do. But man, like that's probably the one time that I really got a nigga. Like I just I hit him over the head on that yeah. one. So yeah, I, I, I so that use, was the greatest contract. Yeah, but back to what back to what you were you know asking as far as the the, the, the initial clients. Um, we got to give a big shout out to Tom Fisher because. Yeah. Tom is like another Tom is like another Ivory. Tom Tom made sure we che- we had checks coming in no matter what. But we also put the plush entertainment complex in through through so much hell that it was ridiculous. I, there were many a time. I I, I I remember at least seven times Tom would call my phone while I'm in his club and cuss me the fuck out. <laughs> um, <laughs> Listen, but man. At the end of the night, he would hand me that shit. Right. So. I, 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 just as a, as an aside, I, I have to stop right here, and I do have to say, Tom Fisher, I love that little white man to death. He put me through school. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he was loyal. Yeah. He, he was loyal. Like you know how you got, people don't realize. Okay, a little education for people that are dumb to this promotional game, but a lot of times when you go to a club. And you're hanging out out front waiting to get in. If you notice, sometimes security and the police are stopping people from putting flyers out in the parking lot. That's because whatever promoter is running that night is green as fuck and is afraid that somebody else is going to take money out of their pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, we had plush parking lot on lock to the point where if Billy had a show going on and Billy tried to say that strong family or cool running flyers were the only thing allowed in the parking lot. Tom said, fuck that. Whatever Brandon and the white boy have going on, they can promote in my parking lot. So Tom definitely made sure he kept checks in our pockets and definitely made sure we were able to keep out, outsourced income coming in as well. Right. So I, you know, I, I fuck with him for that. And, 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 and he didn't just, and he didn't just, that was the other cool thing about Tom that a lot of people... I don't know if everybody had that experience with him in working with him, but like he didn't just put us on and go, oh, okay, these are the guys who do urban stuff. You know, the company is ran by a black dude, so I'm gonna put them on anything that we have black going on. He didn't, uh-huh. nah. 
I mean, there was like a, a Nintendo Wii party. There was a Martini Fest. There were there were things that definitely weren't a part of what New Blood's demographic would be considered as. But I mean, he put us on everything. I mean, if he had an event going on and he needed a street team, you know, and he was like, "Yo, you know," and we gave him. We we ended up getting to a point where we just charged him a flat rate, like. You know, we never asked any questions. We didn't ask how many flies it was. It was just like, how many boxes? Okay, flat rate on those boxes. Which, back then, I mean, yep. we were doing anywhere between 200 to $300, depending on the nature of the box and the nature of the event. But 200 to $300 a box. I mean, you know. I mean, it, it, it but was... See, Tom, but see, Tom, Tom was one of, the one, one, of the, one of the first people that really paid attention. Tom knew that he could give us 5,000 flyers, and he could, I could meet him at the club or go to JDA Print and pick up 5,000 flyers at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And by 3 o'clock in the morning, 2,500 of those flyers will be all over the city because we would we would get a box and bust it down and somebody would go to Ponte... If it was an MMA event, we'd go to Ponte Vista, we'd go to the beach, we'd do product placement, we'd hit every... When L House was jumping, you know, right. we did that. Right. Because... Because we we had to go around the city anyway because we had plenty of urban work to do. Right. So he was smart. He was like, okay, well, fuck it. These are my promo guys. If right. anybody wants to promote, they got to go, you know. So he was he was definitely intelligent, and he definitely got a gravy deal on, on the price. And, you know, once, once I crunched some numbers after I took my hiatus, yeah, he was blessed, and we were blessed. So it kind of worked out, you know what I mean? Right. And so, I, so we... We end up we end up getting all of these accounts going on. We've got all of this money coming in. What's life like from your perspective um, as a part of New Blood Entertainment at this point? Um, the quality of life uh, the quality of life was definitely better. Um, I didn't spend a lot of my money the way you spent yours in the sense that I wasn't. You know, I, I never really did been too big on image in any way so you know i still had that ragged ass truck um you still saw me in a black tee or a white tee with my little hat on and i might have got my hair done but i wasn't out buying watches and shit like that and um but you know i i had money in my pocket so if hey it's whatever hey <laughs> i i, I, I only spent like, a few bucks here and there i was very frugal <laughs> joking when I said I was frugal because you and I both know that that definitely was not the case. Uh. <laughs> yeah, no, but anybody, anybody that knows Brandon back then knows that, uh, new Brandon back then knows that, uh, 
he had a bottle. He would always, he would do one or two things. He would throw money around in the club and go buy. We, we never bought bottles, but we definitely spent a lot of money at the bar. Or if he popped the trunk of the Kia, he had a bottle of rain vodka taller than Ninja Mac in the goddamn trunk. So <laughs> that was like, you know. So, but yeah, like, that was great. Like, that was a gift and a curse for me, though, because now that I'm older, you know how hard it was to break that habit of just blowing money? Yeah, yeah. I'm, that, yeah, that I, shit. I definitely know. I mean, I mean, perfect example is um, I think we we can probably talk about this now is uh, that first check that we got from uh, from uh, Club Paris. I got a check for what like six grand up front. They advanced all that money, um, so yeah. they, they advanced the check for six grand, and and you, you can tell the story because you always tell it better than I do. tip that day at uh <laughs> at the uh what what was it we went to uh cheesecake factory and we gave we gave Corinne a really great tip <laughs> yeah 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 that was we was we were definitely dumb as shit when it came to handling money so yeah. but the taxes always got paid irs never knocked on new blood doing business <laughs> oh yeah you you shout out to roger for that because lord knows if i was paying if i was the one handling the money as far as paying taxes Roger would just call me and be like, yo, Brandon, um, it's going to be 3200 All right, hold on. <laughs> yeah. And just wire the money. And just, yeah, you know how much you need? <laughs> just we, move we on. Definitely had that, we, we, we had them paid in full type moments without the without drugs being involved as far as sales is concerned. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, we were, yeah. So I want to I talk about um, what the, the – there's this experience that we have where – we're going through all of this. We're going through all this money, and then all of a sudden, we decide that we want to we want to manage people all of a sudden out of the blue, and 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 I think it happened relatively quickly because 
I mean, New Blood, New Blood was like a, a shooting star, man. Like people, people tend to think that it it was around for a long time, and I guess you know five years is a long time, but you know, really, when you look back on it, that's like a shooting star, man. Like it, it just happened so fast and it's gone. But before we know it, we blinked our eyes and we had the All Stars. We had uh, uh, Beauty. You, you, you had we had who else? We had the New Blood Beauties. We had um, yeah. We had Ron Mack. We had uh, yeah, Lee. Vaughn Keys. Man, and, then, and Keys. then eventually we started taking on Keys Dirty. Then we ended up with yeah. uh, DJ D Money. I mean, what what was it like just bringing on all those people? Do you think that do you think that was a good idea for us to bring on all of those people to manage at that point? Did that did that work for us? Did it hinder us? What what were your thoughts on that? Um, I never personally had a moment where somebody came up to me and said, "Yo, your boy Mac is tripping, or your boy so and so's tripping, or your boy fucking up." So I don't think it necessarily hindered us. Mm-hmm. Um. I do think it made the fall from grace hurt a little more because we did accomplish so much and got so big in a five-year time span. Um, it was definitely dope. I mean, you know, you got you to gotta think. To go from riding six deep to the, to the Roxy to eventually riding 10 and 13 deep to the Roxy to, to riding 10 deep to the real thing to eventually cornering off a whole section of Denny's after we get done at the club because our camp is that fucking big. I mean, you know, it got to the point where we had to meet up at Regency parking lot and wait on everybody to get there so we can basically caravan to the club and all show up at one time. And, 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 you know, it got to the point where, you know, we were larger than life, but we, I think our priorities were fucked up in a sense that we kind of got trapped by that bullshit superstar lifestyle in Jacksonville. Right. And, that, that became more of a priority than the business because if, if it would have been vice versa, we would still be probably partnered up or right next to Point Blank Crown Capital right now, really and truthfully, because um, we were we were on that uh, course to do that. Um, but it was dope. I mean, you know, it, it feels good to be connected in so many ways to so many sections of the Southeast, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, 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 New Blood was a result of that, you know. The people that I don't, I never even personally met that were New Blood Tallahassee fuck, fuck with me just off the strength that I was New Blood back right. then. You know what I'm saying? I think I met, I, there were certain people that I only met twice when we brought Oxford show, and mm-hmm. it was all love. You know what I'm saying? So it was, that was dope. Um, it was definitely, it was definitely awesome to have that much talent and to be able to say that we, you know, I'm not, I'm not one to ever tell somebody I made you. He would be nothing because of me, but it was dope to have our hands on so many people that have gone on to do some pretty great things right. as they've gotten older and evolved, you know what I mean? Right. And uh, it, it was just it was just a dope experience because uh, I don't think any of us woke up January 1st, 2005, expecting those first two years, you know, to, to be like that. And then, you know, when you finally look around, you're sitting in the real team and you're you got money in your pocket, you got a bunch of models around you, you got all your artists with you, and we're just bouncing around the city living like we, we made it. You know what I'm saying? But And I mean, it's not like that shit happened overnight. Like, those people don't realize there's a lot of hard work. You know, a lot of people might only recall when we was out there with the camp getting drunk and wilding out. But right. um, 
there's a good portion that still recall us needing them to, you know, we were the reason why certain promoters didn't get a chance to put their flyers out of Burger Street mm. on a Friday night because we already went through and pissed off security and covered their whole lot. Like, we was really out there crying for real, and we really outcried a lot of so-called street teams in the city for real. Are, we the, are, we, the greatest, are we the greatest street team in the history of Duval? I can't say yes to that because of when I came in. Right. You know, when, when, when we finally stepped away and life got real, I kind of removed that aspect of the business from my thought process. Like, I was still out there with D-Money and capping them, but I, you know, I was still an asshole. So if, if a promoter didn't have the money to pay me what I wanted to promote, I just didn't promote. So I didn't pay attention to all that, to be quite honest. Um, mm-hmm. I can definitely say us and Point Blank were probably the strongest mm-hmm. hands down. Our probably, probably the strongest hands down. And, and that goes without saying. I mean, Again, look where they're at now. And we, I mean, realistically, people the past five years would not have known what Aqua was if it wasn't for what we did with Point Blank and the Globe. You know what I'm saying? Right. So we, can def- we can definitely say we shaped the nightlife in Jacksonville for half a decade. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, but, I, you know, I'm not going to say we're strongest just because I don't, I've never been that type of person to really toot my own horn. I'm not going to say we were the single greatest, but... Okay, don't worry, I'll say it. Uh, Blood Entertainment was the greatest street team in the history of Duval County. Point blank, period. Uh, There was not... I'm not going to say I was the best club promoter. We were the best street team. I don't care about any of them girls, street teams, uh... Uh, you know, you remember all the ones that came and went in between when we were doing our thing. Like, I, I don't care about none of that shit. Yeah. Look, we were better than everybody else. We did the shit better than everybody else. There is not another street team that snuck into the Players' Championship, okay? And ain't nobody else that yeah. did that. <laughs> we, yeah, we definitely changed the... We definitely raised the bar and changed... Rules were written for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the only, I mean, I, I can actually attest to the fact that the only reason JSO started enforcing where people can put flyers out um, when club nights were going on was because of us. Because wherever the club goers were parking was where we would put flyers out. And to be quite honest, the officers that patrolled the area around Burger Street got sick and tired of us. Mm-hmm. So for a while there, we couldn't even touch nothing over there. And that's when and we that's, that's when Kendall had two people with him, 
and we would just hit the city, and we'd all meet up wherever Point Blank was at, and we that's when we turned up, and you know we worked hard and we played hard. Right. But, you know, we was definitely we definitely changed the game for real, and you know I'm proud of that. I mean, you know, if that if if there's anything to be proud of, it's not the money. It's to say that um, my hard work definitely probably most likely put people on path to success. Definitely right. did, hands down. You know what I mean? Okay. Some people are successful as a result of what we did. So, okay. so I, 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 that, it's always important that we talk about this. And you and I have talked about this in the past in previous, you know, variations. Um, things that go left, um, we, we begin to decline. Um, some people will say the decline happens because of me. Um, and Latoya leaves, and uh, that 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 hurt me uh, hurt me tremendously. Um, can you talk about what that period of time was like as um, as we end up coming to a, coming to a place where we started winding down, and um, I start moving out of the industry, and I'm 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 not as effective of a leader. What what was what was all of that like in that period of time? It was stressful. For, it was it was especially stressful for me because I'm a loyal person. So if I rock with you, I'm just there. Even you know through the bullshit, and, and anybody that really knows me and knows Damon can attest to that. So from that standpoint, it was very stressful because it almost seemed like when the success got really good and and really high is when you stopped listening or hearing what anybody was saying so that pissed me off because we started this shit you know what I mean um when when everything kind of came to a head and, and, and the, the, the nights that we attempted to do started failing um for whatever the reason was mm-hmm. um that was I mean that was a pride killer because we felt like we was the shit for real and that was really like that was God's way of trying to tell us to sit chill out you do it you you're headed where you need to be, but you need to chill out. And we just didn't we didn't read the signals, you know. And right. when Toya left, that's when that's when everything pretty much shattered as far as new blood was concerned and and then that's when me and you that's when our relationship got a little hectic because after you know, I'm the type of person I'm not really gonna say nothing as bullshit is going on, but when I hold in as too much or when it's more than I can bear then I'm gonna blow up and you were the same way and that's kind of how that clash happened you know and that's why I started not answering my phone and putting clients off and because it was like man I don't I don't damn near killed myself and you know been in some fucked up situations just trying to keep this shit going and and it kind of felt like you didn't want to listen to my advice when it came to the club nights and you know you just did it the way you wanted to do it and I saw I saw the shit falling, but, you know, if somebody ain't going to listen or somebody's got their own agendas, all I can do is remain the loyal person that I am, hope for the best, and if it falls through, then we'll, we'll see what we can do next. But, uh, I mean, it was stressful, do you but, it was, think, you know, it was also an experience. Do you think that Latoya left because I became boss hog? Because that's always kind of been the conversation, that the character alter ego personality traits that were already existed that that create the character boss hog um was too much for her to to bear 
I don't think it was the boss hog thing. I do think that um, because of the level of, of success that we did reach, you 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 got blind to the fact you you really felt like you was the boss and you built that shit yourself and you, and your vision got blurred and you didn't realize that really it was the fifteen people that I was managing to keep the shit. You know what I'm saying? Me and her were trying to keep. We was we were like dispatchers. You know what I'm saying? I was, mm-hmm. She did. She was. She was live with me most of the time. But we was all over town making sure people were doing what they were supposed to do. And you got blinded to that. And I think, like I said, when it got to the point where you really stopped listening to the advice of the people that built the shit with you, I think it was like it's a wrap. And then you know, there's only so much falling and rebuilding a person can deal with before they finally just say fuck. And I think that's really where Toya got tired. Because I, I got tired. I got tired of failing and then rebuilding when we, we when I was voicing the fact that I don't think we should be doing it. You get what I'm saying? So right. it was like, here I am going through all this emotion. Because, I mean, you know, the most depressing time in anybody in entertainment and promotion life is that Saturday morning after that Friday flopped. And... Mm-hmm. You have to have that I ain't shit and I'm hungover moment. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I'm saying? Like that shit. That shit fucks you up. And and to 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 go through that on a Saturday morning, and then by Saturday afternoon you're back at the grind and you build yourself back up in the in those following weeks, and then you do another event and it flops. Um, that shit, you know, gets old. Finally, mm-hmm. it's like okay, well, this if it's if it's beginning to be too much, it's time to get the fuck out. You know what I mean? And I think that's what Toy went through. I think Toy was just tired of the, the the failure and rebuild cycle because it may not have been a failure. You know, we might have both even and paid the bill. But in our mind, because we know the effort and everything that was involved in the event, it's a failure. Right. We know what that what it should have been. So you know, I think I don't think it was a boss hog. I just think it was a it was a. Uh, a result of a lot of a lot of things and a lot of different stressors that just started happening all too consistently, and finally it was just like whatever. You know what I'm saying? So that period of time that you're referring to is, I believe that's 2009. I I do refer to it as uh the four bloody weeks because it it was four weeks that led up to my birthday with the Pulse Lounge decision that I made. To, to do with Derek Washington that probably wasn't the best decision and um, ultimately it, it, it led to I put us into I put us into financial burden because I was just I was determined to beat Ivory because I think that this was right around the time that um, um, they had lost uh, they had lost realty for a little while and uh, it was a perfect opening for uh, for us to kind of slide in and take an opportunity to maybe pull the crowd, and we weren't able to do it, which was so disappointing because, and, and what was even more disappointing, and this is just kind of a testament to sometimes you win, sometimes you lose in the industry, and just because people uh, people rock with you don't mean that they're going to rock with you on everything that you do. Um, you know, we, we were like, okay, well, we'll attack this, and, you know, you guys told me, hey, I don't, I don't think that this is going to work, and there were some issues with the liquor license and just... A whole bunch of other problems, and I, and I was just determined to see it through because I was like, man, I got like, I got like a month and a half without Ivory. I can I can take the crowd from, him. I can win, and da 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 da, you know. Because I and I said this, um, I said this to Ricky yesterday. Um, I just 
at that age, I really just wanted to prove something to him. Like, you know, like I, you know, I, yeah. I had a real problem with the fact that I felt like he didn't respect me. And, and I just wanted to prove to him that, nah, fuck you. I can, I can do this shit without you. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, so. We were blind. We were blind to the fact of one thing. One thing we didn't consider as it was happening was, of course, okay, if a certain club with a certain promoter gets shut down and they can't run that consistent night, um, we have a chance to take some of the crowd to entertain them until that promoter gets back up and running. But what we didn't realize is we weren't ivory and we weren't point blank. Mm-hmm. People really, the the masses didn't know who the fuck we were. People in the business did. So we didn't consider the fact that everybody knows Ivy because he's on the radio commercials. He, he He's in spotlight with the DJs. Um, and really... The only people that know us are the industry cats. The, the club goers don't know who the fuck we are because we're, the, our efforts are putting point blank in the spotlight. You get know what I'm saying? Right. Like, us promoting them is helping them. People don't give a fuck who put the flyers out for the point blank event. All they know is we're finna go to this point blank event or we're finna go to this show that Billy did at so-and-so. Right. So we didn't consider the fact that the people didn't know who New Blood was. We, we, we assume that, okay, we got D-Money, he's a point-blank DJ, they're going to come because he's a point-blank DJ. Right. And we just we didn't, we didn't consider all the variables, and that was partly because we were not really sober all the time, and we were just on, on, the, on the fast, in the fast lane, just go, 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 go. Right, I was um, doing a lot of drugs. I, was, I mean, for all of the success that we had, I, I think that I, um, I spent a good bit of my my salary, my savings on drugs. <laughs> you know? Uh, and... Um, yeah, and I mean, I was I was damn near, I was drunk all the time, so I didn't even know. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So it was like, we had our own problems. Like, like I said, we let that bullshit superstar status bullshit in Jacksonville grab a hold of us. And if anything, that was our downfall. It wasn't even the failed club nights. The failed club nights were just the added depression to finally make us say, man, fuck this shit. You know but, what I mean? But before but, we, before um, we completely say fuck this shit, we do move to, um, probably our last, our last attempt, our last hurrah, if you will, when we became Watts, we are the South LLC. It was a, it was an attempt to, to rebrand ourselves. It was what our parent company had become out of Tallahassee. So, um, it was, I want to say the end of 2009, beginning of 2010, when we were rebranded um, under Watts LLC, um, I, I think that I wasn't as passionate about Watts LLC because it wasn't my thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it was my yeah. thing. They brought me in and they listed me as a as a co-founder and a co-owner because my two business partners from New Blood, you know, started Watts and they, they just wanted to do the rebranding process. And, but New Blood was my thing. It was tatted on my arm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't really yeah. want to give it up. But, you know, we had taken such a, a terrible hit, you know, with my poor decision making, um, you know, in March and through April for my birthday. Excuse me. That there was no way that we could we could recover the brand from that kind of that kind of loss. So we had to rebrand ourselves. And at this point, you know you know, Ron leaves the team, you know, uh, we're losing people who had been around for a long period of time. 
and you and I are infighting and eventually we kind of get back on the same page. We still have D money. Um, but even that begins to kind of fall apart where D money and I have a falling out and, you know, um, you know, our, our last, we have our last few hurrahs. Um, I mean, uh, just kind of watching the, the, the very end of it. What, what do you, what would you say it was, it was like in that, in that, in that last hurrah under Watts? Um, I would say the best part of the whole Watts era probably was when we did the DJ Melage for, uh, we did it a couple times for D-Money's birthday because even though it wasn't a sellout event, it, um, it gave, it, it let D-Money experience some of the love and respect that he should have been experiencing his entire DJ career from, yeah people that were much closer to him on a business level. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was great. You know what I mean? Like uh, with, when Doom and, and Bodie and all of them came out and just with, it was a massive amount of love for him. Cause like, you know, people, I'm not a selfish person in any way, bro. So a lot of times my motives are way different than a lot of other people's when it comes to what I'm doing in this city and elsewhere with music and entertainment. So, um, and I've always been like that auxiliary or that support person for um, anybody that I've done business with, whether it be personal assistant for an artist or road manager for a DJ or, you know what I mean? Right. So to see that in the watch, the, the watch era and toward the end, to see that, that was great. Um, at least, I, I can say at least with that, we got to go out smiling and we got to go out with a little bit of money in our pocket. And... Um, you know, um, that was, it was just a great little time. It, it, it kind of, it earned us a little more respect with certain people that we may have felt didn't respect us enough. Um, certain DJs that showed up, uh, shout out and got to see us really manage, put together and complete an event that was semi-successful multiple mm-hmm. times. Right. And, um, you know, it was just, it was just a great experience. Um, and, and that, it was a good way to go out because it wasn't really, uh, going out with fuck you, no fuck you, lose my number. You know what I mean? Um, it was more, we kind of went out with smiles, and then not too long after that, we knew it was pretty much the end, and we both kind of threw our hands up. And I, you know, really, I, I got forced out of it because that one night, leaving the real thing, when I got that DUI, it can't drive, can't promote, you feel what I'm saying? Right. So, um, but it was, uh, that was a great moment, and that's one of the, one of the best memories. Uh, D-Money with that cake all on his face. <laughs> <laughs> Shout yeah. out to Big Bodie and Doom for knocking a whole King Ron, uh, all of them, yeah. 17-inch cake on D-Money's head. Yeah. You know. But, so, um, before yeah, we... So that, that was great. Yeah. Before we before we go, man, because, you know, I, like I always tell everybody, I don't want to hold you up too long. I, I just want you to kind of... Um, First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time out to to be on the podcast, talk about New Blood Entertainment, um, your contributions to what it was as Jacksonville. But before I let you go, man, um, can you talk about a little bit about just kind of the things that 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 you'll never forget about being a part of the organization, uh, memorable moments, things that you look back on and that make you smile or make you laugh, or whatever the case might be. Um, some of the greatest times we ever had were, uh, well, the, the absolute greatest night we ever had was when the Grinder Shine DVD came out and we were all, 
spiffier, spiffy as hell. We had a few models with us that were part of the street team, and uh, we. I think that was one of the uh, only times we actually got to experience that sober love and respect from our peers in the city because it was a formal event and nobody really started doing any substances of any kind until we got into the theater. Mm-hmm. So we got to see the when we walked up as a squad, clean as hell, we got to see a lot of love and, and you know, we were actually in the film. And so that was dope. Um, ah, man. Uh, I would say, I mean, the whole real thing around with Point Blank was awesome. Um, there was a lot, of, a lot of great memories and a lot of not so great memories, but for the most part, it was great memories coming out of the real thing. Um, I really thoroughly enjoyed when New Blood was involved with uh, Ballin' on Your Bitch Ass and the musical campaign that I would put forth. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel? Um, just before you finish, can you talk a little bit about Ivory Oil as a rapper? Because I've talked about it a couple of times on the podcast. I view Ivory as one of the greatest rappers of the last fifteen years in 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 Duval County. What's what's your perception on Ivory and and him as a rapper? And I mean, do you feel like that that is more of what he should be doing, or just just what's your perspective on all of that? Um. If Ivory would have put just as much energy into his musical career as he did, as he does um, his brand, um, he would probably probably be a very strong independent artist. And he's uh, hands down one of the one of the most lyrical and one of the best rappers in the, out of the southeast. Period, uh, hands down. Um, people don't realize that because they. They, you know, they just see Ivory or uh, at the club, or they they hear him on the radio doing a commercial, so they don't know his, his background with the few and things of that nature. But lyrically, Ivory Ivory can outwrap anybody in the city without mm-hmm. even really trying, right? You know, so um, I think uh, I think if he decided to take take uh, his rap career serious again, he could probably probably see a lot of success, especially with the bullshit that people are buying into right now. He would be a breath of fresh air like a Kendrick or like a J. Cole. Uh, he may not be as deep as them um, mm-hmm. because of the style that he does, but lyrically, he can, like I said, he can he can outwrap anybody in the city without even trying. So um, that's pretty dope that he is multifaceted like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but he can easily be a mogul. You know, he can be a successful rapper and uh, be splitting that into controlling the nightlife of a region if he wanted to. Right. So, I mean, uh, like, well, I, 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 I want to, first of all, I want to thank you for being on the podcast, man. But more than anything, I want to take an opportunity on uh, Facebook Live and, and just publicly to acknowledge everything that you contributed to my career. I would not be the person that I am today if it had not been for you and, and all of the work that you did behind the scenes. I didn't treat you um, probably as well as I, as I should have. Should have laced your pockets a little bit better, but I was a, a much younger man then, and um, probably probably could. There, there are some things that I could take back, and if it was anything, I would have treated you better because you definitely did right by me. You did right by my family. You did right by by my brand, and um, there would be there would be no Brandon Kobe Jacobs. There wouldn't be Boss Hog or Brandon Kobe Jacobs for Facebook and and all of the the other ver- variations of of my persona 
if if white boy doesn't exist. You picked up checks when I was too drunk, too hungover, or too deep in some pussy to, to go get them myself. So, I mean, you know, checks that I turned around and used to go on vacation. So, um, you know. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for, for everything that you contributed. You are unquestionably a um, a Duval staple the that needs to be recognized in the highest regard. I don't care what anybody says about you. You are a true influencer in in the truest sense of the word, and um, I don't know if I, I saw that you joined the Facebook group uh, or the Facebook Live for a second there, but if you're still on there, I, I'm posting, I'm showing this this photo that I've kept all these years from the real thing, um, letting everybody see it. Let me see. It. Let me see if I can pull it up. Hold on. Let me see Everybody on Facebook Live gets to see this photo. It's a photo of uh, of me, you, uh, Toya, Candace, and uh, Kendall. And um, this photo is um it sits in my office, hanging on the wall every single day. And every time I come in here, every time I do a podcast, I, I do it for you guys, and um, I recognize you guys' contribution to my life. And again, man, thank you. Thank you so much for your time, and, and thank you so much uh, for everything that you've done for me, man. I, I really mean that. Well, I, I'm not leaving yet, but I do appreciate the acknowledgement because I really worked hard to, um, you know, I really worked hard to try and make sure everybody else is good because I know what my path is going to be, you know what I'm saying? But like I said, I'm, I've always been selfless, so I mean, I appreciate you finally verbalizing that, and uh, I'm glad that somebody saw the efforts that I did put in because um, it was all for a, a bigger picture, believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, um, right. Now, on, on the 2017, it's a shameless plug time. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, tell everybody what you got going on. All right. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at WhiteStacks, W-H-Y-T-E-S-T-A-K-K-S. I know it's complicated, but follow me. Um Follow Stoner's Lane underscore 904. Stoner's Lane is the lifestyle brand that we are now promoting. And I will be debuting my podcast um, January 2017. I'm not going to drop the name on it yet. Just follow those pages I told you to follow. And if you feel like listening, listen, because I'm not going to disrespect one podcast with another. Um, but yeah, follow me on Instagram. Snapchat is Whitestack. Facebook is Damon Downing. And, um, Support who supports you. Yeah. All right. So without without that uh, being said, man, I, again, I want to thank all of the listeners who are taking time out to listen. Everybody on Facebook Live who has been watching and checking out what we have going on. If you need to get in contact with me, you can hit me up on the email at brandoncobyjacobs at gmail.com. I am on Instagram at brandoncobyjacobs. You can hit me up on Snapchat at bkjest1984. On Facebook, of course, Brandon Kobe Jacobs. Uh, I mean, this is just what I do, man. Uh, we're going to continue to give you guys quality uh, content. Just keep putting things out, man. I'm not holding anything. The moment that I get uh, a podcast done and edit it up, I'm getting it out so that everybody can listen, enjoy, take it all in. If you're doing a long drive, you can literally just pop this in and you can listen to the Established 1984 podcast from here to from here in Atlanta, Georgia, all the way down to Jacksonville, Florida and back. We have that much content right now. So once again, I want to thank everybody. Uh, I am Brandon Kobe Jacobs. I have had on my show today, 
the D-White Boy, Damon Downey. You're listening to the Established 1984 Podcast. Take care.